today, and I'm hoping, I'm a very simple person, so I'm hoping that my simple sermon will register with you this morning and God will speak to you. It's uh, Veterans Day soon, and uh, this weekend and so forth, and uh, my dad and his six brothers were all in World War II at the same time. And my brother was in Vietnam, uh, so welcome to the veterans, man. I'm so glad that you guys served and made a difference. I want to talk to you this morning um, about God expects you to change the world. Let me say that again. God expects you to change the world. One of the reasons that the Spirit of God came into your life, if you're here and you're a Christian, is for you to change the world. And I want to talk to you about that subject today. And I want to say to you this morning that God believes in you. Let me say that again. God believes in you. And I'm hoping I can convince you of that before I'm done. He believes that you and I have the ability to change the world. And we do because of his spirit that lives within us. However, we only have a given amount of time to change the world, to make a real difference in this world. If you're here and you're about 25 or 30 years old, one-third of your life is already gone. If you're here and you're 35 to 40, half of your life is already gone. If you're here and your hair is gray like mine, you're almost gone. <laughs> you're almost gone. Here's what I want you to do just to start out so we know the subject this morning. I want you to turn to the person next to you, whoever that is, and just say, God believes in you. Uh, say it louder. God believes in you. All right, now say it with me. God believes in you. The average lifespan has increased in recent years because of great uh, doctors and scientists so that one out of every person in a marriage will live to be 85 years old or both will live that long. However, I had friends growing up as you did who died early. I had a friend who lived across the street from me named Doug Barrett. And Doug Barrett was 16 years old. And he made the mistake of taking his Volkswagen Beetle out on the road when he was drunk. And he went and had a head-on collision and died at 16 years of age. And I was such a wimp when he died. I was so uh, broken by what had happened to him, I couldn't even make myself go to the hospital. He lived in a coma for about six months, and I couldn't even make myself go see him. I was a wimp. His name was Doug Barrett. John Largent, a friend of mine who lived one street over from me, we went to the same church, died at 21 years old in a helicopter when his helicopter was shot down in Vietnam. Another friend, Mike Phillips, who I went to school with. My wife and I went to the same high school, and we went to school with Mike. He got a full scholarship to an Ivy League school in California, and he was there studying. He was brilliant. Uh, he was always smarter than me in school, and Mike got in a car accident and died at 22 years of age. My point is this. If we're going to change the world the way Jesus expects us to change the world, 
We need to do it now. We need to do it now. You need to live it now. You need to make it happen now. Waiting to live for Jesus to someday is really a bad mistake because someday may not come. Someday may not come. Eugene Peterson in the Message Bible wrote these words, and I want to read them to you. They won't be up on the screen. Here's what he said in, in uh, Ephesians 5, 11 to 16. He said, don't waste your time on useless work, mere busy work, the barren pursuits of darkness. Expose these things for the sham they are. It's a scandal when people waste their lives on things they must do in the darkness where no one will see. Rip the cover off those frauds and see how attractive they look in the light of Jesus Christ. Wake up from your sleep. Climb out of your coffins. Christ will show you the light. So watch your step. Use your head. Make the most of every chance you get in these desperate times. And we are in desperate times. We are at a time when we all think about it, if we're Christians, that Jesus could come back at any time, and we should be expecting that. But I want to give you three simple points this morning that I hope you'll get. Number one is this. If we're going to change the world, we have to learn to love God. And let me share that scripture with you on the screen. It says in Mark chapter 12, verse 29 to 31, Jesus answered him because someone had asked him, what was the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, the first of all commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like unto it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment, no other commandment in the Bible greater than these. And those are, that's what I want to talk to you mainly about this morning. First of all, God says we have to love him. And I'm sure you've heard the word agape. The word love in the Bible in many places is the word agape. It means divine love. It's a love that only God can give you. It's a love that only God can give to us through his spirit living in us. Our love for God originates with God. It comes from his love within us, which is higher than anything that you and I could ever generate. It all begins with our heart. And the heart, when God talks about the heart there, love the Lord your God with all your heart, it's kind of complicated. Our heart is very complicated. It's complicated because it's a combination of our mind, it's a combination of our soul, and of our will, and of our conscience. Our heart is where our emotions come from. How many of you ever get emotional? Yeah, me too. Uh, it's where our emotions come from, and our heart are found our emotion, feelings, thoughts. Our heart is the place where we feel guilty for disobeying God. That's where the guilt comes from, because we have contact with this heart that God's given us. And when we disappoint God, he speaks to us. But he says, I want you to love me with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all of your strength. Not just some of it. All of it, all that you can have generated within you through God's Spirit. God commanded us to love him absolutely. But he never intended us to work up this love for him out of our own effort. In fact, 
He is well aware that we ourselves aren't even capable of such love as God expects us to have. We need to realize that when God makes a demand, his intention is that he himself will come to us and he will empower us to have this love that we should have for God. Our love for God actually originates from God himself. It comes from his love with us, which is higher than anything we could ever generate. You can't make yourself love God. Let me say that again. You cannot make yourself love God. You can't. It comes through the Spirit of God. It comes from the heart of God. It comes because God gives that love to us. He gives that love of our heart, mind, soul, and our strength. God's Spirit is working in us, and it's the only way for us to really love God. So he says, the greatest commandment in all the Bible, and you've heard it before, is to love God. But you can't generate that yourself. You have to realize that God is the only one that can help you and strengthen you through his spirit living in you to make you able to love him as you should. The second commandment is to love others. And it's up on the screen, I believe. Jesus answered him in the first commandment and said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. But listen to the second one. He said, that's the first commandment. But here he says, and the second, toward the bottom there, the second is like it. It's like this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. I'm going to tell you something about me and about you. We're all a little bit selfish. I got up this morning and I shaved my face, not yours. I didn't go over, call Tim and say, hey, Tim, come on over, I'll shave you. I shaved my face because I'm a little bit selfish. I didn't shave somebody else's face. I didn't call Pastor Tim over and say, hey, Tim, let me shave your face today. I don't want to shave his face. You might hit me. <laughs> But I got up this morning and I took care of myself. I uh, put on the clothes I wanted to wear. I even put on my favorite sneaks that I wanted to wear and uh, made sure that I wanted, I got what I wanted. We're all a little bit like that, aren't we? And so God says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. My wife got up this morning. She did the same thing. She didn't call some other person and say, hey, come on over and I'll fix your hair. She spent time fixing her hair, putting on her makeup, um, and I'm telling you, she's not aging like me. I keep telling her, you're going to have to start introducing me as your older brother everywhere we go, because she looks younger than me, and I'm glad she does. But she took care of herself. Neither one of us invited anyone over to put on makeup or, or, to, or to get their hair fixed or anything like that. Why? That's why God says that here. The second commandment is love your neighbor like you love yourself. Now, if I love my neighbor, if I love people who know God and people who don't know God, by the way, God expects you to love everyone. If you read your Bible, even your enemies, even people that are hard to love, God expects us to love them. God expects us to care about them. God doesn't care 
if you're a Democrat or Republican. He loves you. And he wants you to love your neighbor like you love yourself. If we love others, what can we do? Some time ago, I, I thought through this a little bit. And I wrote something, and I wish I could have printed it out for you today and handed it out to everyone, but, but I didn't. Um, but I, I came up with this thought that if we really love others, we say to others, yes, you can. And let me tell you what I mean by that. If we love others the way we love ourselves, we say to others, yes, you can. And let me, let me just say a few words about that. When God looks at you, he says, yes, you can. God believes in your ability. He created you and knows better than anyone else what you are capable of doing. He wants you to become far more than you ever demanded or ever thought of being yourself. You are his unique creation, and there will never be another one just like you. God told the prophet Jeremiah, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Paul told us that if God is for us, who can be against us? Jesus said, yes, you can, to 12 disciples and a handful of women in an upper room. And they followed him, and they literally changed the world. Just like he believed in them, he believes in you. If you love others, you will get in their face, and you will say to your kids, to your wife, to your husband, to those who don't even believe in themselves, you'll say to them, yes, you can. Your mission, did you ever watch Mission Impossible? Your mission, if you should decide to accept it, is to encourage others by saying as many times as you can, and as long as it takes, yes, you can. And unlike Mission Impossible series, your mission is absolutely possible because of God's working in your life. I read recently that every time a child hears a negative statement about them, it takes seven positive statements to erase that thing you said to them that brought them down. That means that you probably are going to have to say, yes, you can, over and over and over and over if you're going to erase those negatives in their lives. My dad was a tough guy. And uh, I might have mentioned this to you before. I've spoken here a few times. But um, my dad, when he got mad at me, called me a stupid idiot all the time. Fortunately... <laughs> I knew I wasn't a stupid idiot, and I got over that. But it took me some time. In fact, when my wife and I got married, my wife looked at me one day, and she said, man, you're really still mad at your dad, aren't you? I said, I am not. She said, yes, you are. And she was right. And it took me a while to understand my dad and where he came from and how he got the way he was. And, and, uh, but he didn't say, yes, you can very often. But I had a mother who did. So if dad won't do it, mom, take over. And tell your kids, yes, you can. All through the life, people were here repeatedly until they start believing it. They, they hear, no, you can't, far more than they hear, yes, you can. You can change that. I'm saying you can change that. You can be one of the people that acts like God and tells them, yes, you can. You can tell them you believe in them. 
You can tell them that they are made in the image of God and patterned after God and that they're capable of doing extraordinary things because they are. You can be the encouragement they need. You can be the catalyst in their life to give them hope for a brighter future. You can be the one who says, yes, you can accomplish your dream. Yes, you can do, accomplish your dream. Just don't ever give up. If you're a parent, you can be a cheerleader for your kids. If you're a boss, you can be a positive influence on those who work for you and bring them, elevate them to greater heights. If you look at someone, if you can look someone in the eyes and think that thinks God has forgotten them and doesn't love them and tell them that God never gives up on anyone for he has never met a person he didn't love. Listen to me. Even those that deny him in their life, even those who hate him, God loves them and wants to save their souls. He loves them. And you can be that person who can be that person that learns to love others the way you should. And the third thing is, just three points today, is if we do those two things, if we love God and we love others, we can change the world. You can change. I can't change your world. You can change your world. I don't live where you live. I don't work where you live. But I need to be a change agent in my neighborhood. I need to be a change agent where I go to church. I need to be a change agent in the lives of children, in the lives of my grandchildren, in the lives of others. Listen to what God says here, and this is true about every one of you here today. God says, you are the light of the world. That's, that's unbelievable. You are the light of the world. Let your light so shine. It's underlined. So let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You're the light of the world, Jesus said. Man, he believes in you. He believes you can change the world. And the way you do that is you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and you love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. Shock your neighbor sometime. Even if you've got a neighbor who's annoying, bake a cake and take it over there. And if they don't like it, put it in their face. No, don't do that. No. <laughs> That's not funny. Don't do that. Secondly, God says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. God did not say to your pastor and pastors, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He didn't say that just to pastors. In fact, Tim, is, Tim knows and Brad knows and all of us who've pastored know that if the, those who are following those pastors don't share the light and they don't make disciples, disciples are not going to be made. It's not going to happen. Shine your light. Make disciples. This is why you are here. That's why you're still alive. That's what you're supposed to be doing. Don't wait till it's too late. There's an old rabbinic saying that was said written down years ago 
that the rabbis of Israel used to say to each other and to younger men who came into the ministry as rabbis. They said this, everyone must carry two pieces of paper with him and look at them every day. Let me read that again. Everyone must carry two pieces of paper with them and they need to look at them every day. On one is written, you are dust and ashes. On the second one, it says, for you the universe was created. You know, when I die, I'm not dead. I'll be more alive than I've ever been because I believe in Jesus, because I trust Jesus, and so do you, many of you here today, or perhaps all of you. But on one is written, the dust and ashes is going to come someday. And on the other, for you, the universe was created. Man, God loves you today. God cares about you, and he cares about those who are not saved. There are people in your life, I don't know your family. I don't know your cousins. I don't know your aunts and uncles. I can't go to them and tell them about Jesus, but you can. And you're thinking, some of you are thinking, well, I've told them before. Tell them again. Don't give up. Let your light shine whether they like it or not. And many times they don't like it. I remember years ago, I shouldn't have thought of this, Tim, I'm sorry. <laughs> but years ago, I was preaching, and I hope I haven't said this to you guys, I was preaching in the open air. I had gone to Boston, Massachusetts to start a church, and I decided I wanted to preach in downtown Boston, on Boston Commons. And I wanted to preach where the subway was let out, where people would come out. And so I started preaching there. And... Uh, Letting my light shine, at least that's what I thought I was doing. I hope I was. And I'm sharing the gospel with people as they came in and out. And there was these two guys that were a little high. And uh, they decided they didn't like my message. <laughs> and so I'm trying to preach the gospel. And these two guys were either drunk or high on drugs. I don't know which one it was. But they started dancing in a circle around me, telling everybody that I was a liar. That's okay, because I'm not a liar. And the message of God is the truth. So no matter who opposes you, you know, you know what that made me do? It made me stay there and preach longer. They just helped me to keep moving and not give up. So lastly, I'm going to end with this, this slide. Love God, love others, and you will change the world. Love God. Love others, and you'll change the world. Let me just say a couple of things before that, and I'm all done. If we're going to have a healthy perspective on life, you must remember that someday we will be. Somebody's going to say over us, ashes to ashes and dust to dust. And I've conducted far too many funerals in my almost 50 years of pastoring. We're going to die someday. On the other hand, we must remember that this beautiful world we live in was created by God for us to enjoy. And let me expand on, how many ever watched, and I know you don't want to confess this in church, but how many have ever watched an episode of Seinfeld? Come on, be honest. I've watched it 
hundreds of times. I really have. I got hooked on that years ago, and it's funny. And sometimes it's crazy, but it's funny. But one of Jerry Seinfeld's um, skits that he used to do in comedy clubs was about this subject that he thought was humorous. And I want to read it to you this morning, and I'm, I'll be done. He says, when you're moving, your whole world becomes boxes. That's all you think about is boxes. Boxes, where are the boxes? You just wander around, you go down the street and in and out of stores, and you just ask people, are there boxes here? Hope you have any, do you have any boxes? I mean, it's all you think about, Jerry said. You can't even talk to the people because you can't concentrate. And you just say, shut up, I'm looking for boxes. Just after a while, you become like really into into it and you can smell the cardboard. You walk into the store and there's boxes here and you know what it smells like. He said, don't tell me you don't have any boxes. I can smell them. I'm like, I'm obsessed. I love the smell of cardboard boxes. You could be at a funeral, he said. Everyone's mourning, crying, and you're looking at the casket. And Seinfeld says, that's a nice box. Does anyone know where that guy got that box? <laughs> when, when he's done, do you think I could get that box? It's got some nice handles on it. And that's what death really is, Jerry said. It's the last big move of your life. The hearse is like the van. The pallbearers are like your close friends, the only ones you could ask to help you move the big box that last time. And the casket is that great, perfect box you've been waiting for your whole life. The only problem is, once you find it, you're in it. Don't wait till that time. Love God now with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I know that skit's a little bit morbid, but it is full of truth. Death is the last big move we're going to make. Don't make it. 99, this is true statistic, 99 out of every 100 Christians who die never share their faith with anyone. 99 out of 100. Only one person out of 100 wins a person to Christ by sharing their faith. That's sad. Your pastor can't help this church grow if you don't help him grow. If you don't, it, he can't do it all. Your pastors, you have more than one. They can't do it all. What's important when we make the final move is that we have loved God and we've loved others with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. If we have, we leave a legacy that has the ability to change the world now and later. All that's going to matter when we get into the final box is that we follow Jesus' plan to love God and love others. I want you to do that. I want you to understand that God didn't anoint pastors to be the only ones who share the gospel. And he didn't anoint pastors to only share the gospel here. He expects us to share the gospel with family and friends and even enemies 
outside the church whenever the opportunity comes to us to share faith with those people. I've sat on cement sidewalks with homeless people and led them to Christ. I have knocked on doors uh, all throughout New England when I was pastoring there and here in Delaware, knocked on doors, trying to find people that I could shine some light on and some truth into their lives. Listen to me. God, when he looks at you, he says, yes, you can. Yes, you can be the light of the world. Yes, you can love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. I hope you'll do that starting this week. Don't wait. If you've got a loved one or you've got a friend who doesn't know Jesus Christ as Savior, I want you to tell that friend that Jesus loves them and Jesus believes in them. Jesus wants to save them. And I want you to know that God, the God of heaven believes in you. He wants you to be far more valuable to this world than anything you've ever imagined. And you need to say to others, yes, you can. And you need to say, I will be the light of the world. I will make disciples. That's why I was put here. And I'll do it by sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's bow for prayer.